We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. Almost paradise. Knocking on heaven's door. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Dice Tradecast, brought to you by MyFFPC, MyBookie, on the RotoViz Radio Network. We are in between week two and week three of the preseason, about to have week three, which back in the day, back back in my day, week three was the week that all the starters got to play. But now in 2019, Julio Jones doesn't play any of the preseason, Tom Brady's not playing the preseason. Do any players that have fantasy value still play in the preseason, Dan? Obviously, because it's important football that absolutely matters towards – no, it, no one – it doesn't – A, none of it matters. B, no, they don't because it doesn't matter. Um, what does matter is that I'm having my lovely Heineken 00. Heineken, if you're listening, we'd love to have you as a sponsor because this stuff's delicious. <laughs> there we go. Let's start pitching some product here on the Dynasty Tradecast. So today uh, we've got some, you know, news and notes from training camp and how dynasty values are getting shaken up from that. And I feel like we do this show around every August where we talk about how to properly value your team and, you know, maybe possibly players to, to 
you know, try and trade away players to target. And if you're looking for a certain player, what type of owner or what type of roster are you looking for to execute certain trades? Right. And now is the time where, I mean, we have a little bit of time and obviously some rosters can, can kind of catch you by surprise and whatnot, but now's the time you need to be start to be a little more honest with what you're looking at and, and really trying to figure stuff out. So we'll, we'll go full head first into some of that, but news and notes, man, we, we've got a few, got a few interesting ones. I guess we can start with Mr. Tony Pollard, who's apparently dynasty gold now worth 17 firsts, obviously lead runner of the Dallas Cowboys. No, none of that's, none of that's true. Zeke is back from his vacation obviously not signed yet. Uh, your lovely Cowboys owner and GM Jerry Jones decided to say Zeke who in a press conference and now offended is one of his best players. Yes, running backs don't matter, but still not a great look. So where does that leave us with Tony Pollard? Well, uh, fourth round pick, more of a receiving profile than anything. But if you look back at his college production, I mean, he was he was the older back, not really, I wouldn't say older back, but he he was getting out touched by Daryl Henderson, who we all, I think, agree is a pretty damn good football player. Patrick Taylor, who I, I would say he was consistently better than. Patrick Taylor could eat carries and and just kind of, you know, move the sticks as, as needed. But um, if you just kind of look through the numbers, just, you know, obviously Taylor had a lot more volume than Tony Pollard did, but Tony Pollard was consistently better on the ground and through the air than both Henderson and and Patrick Taylor. So I feel like he's somebody that maybe got kind of looked over or um, coaching maybe just, you know, Memphis isn't a big passing school, you know. Pollard was number two or number three on that team in receptions for the last three years as the third string running back. I mean, that, that kind of tells you what you're dealing with in as far as that offense goes. So you go back to like Anthony Miller catching the most passes and whatnot. So it's it's tough to to call that offense anything other than just a, a run first, run second, run third offense because they weren't really doing much else. So I don't think it's fair to call Tony Pollard just a receiving back. I don't think we got to see enough of him as a runner. But like I said before, I think he was consistently better than Patrick Taylor and I wouldn't, I mean, Daryl Henderson was a freak in college. I wouldn't say he was on par with Daryl Henderson, but uh, there was a reason Henderson was getting carries before uh, either Taylor or Pollard both were. Nathan, what do you think about Tony Pollard? I think this is an interesting one with the fact that, you know, this is one thing that being a Debbie player does cloud your judgment a little bit. Like the entire time, even despite the fact that I am a big draft capital guy, I've been saying, oh, if there's a Cowboys rookie that's going to emerge, it's going to be Mike Weber. Because I've had him on a Debbie team, or I've seen him in the you know Debbie sphere for the last two years. But he was the seventh round pick. Tony Pollard was the fourth round pick, and Tony Pollard had more of a receiving profile. All things that lend to more fantasy relevancy for Tony Pollard. And so I, I think that you know he's put himself in a situation where you know he's the RB two there. I don't think Alfred Morris is any sort of a threat. And you said Zeke's back at camp, so it's not like there's any sort of possibility for an RB1. But but we have seen, you know, running backs who hold out end up getting hurt because they didn't get enough reps in camp. So who knows? Yeah, and uh, going back to the fourth-round pick and the receiving upside portion of Pollard, uh, actually I, I, I responded to a tweet. It was either yesterday or maybe the day before. I don't recall. 
uh, about what his upside was in another fourth round pick that everyone seems to really, really love uh, Lamar Miller. And looking at the two, they're pretty similar. Uh, They have similar athletic profiles. They have similar draft capital or had similar draft capital, similar size. And, you know, it's obviously that's like probably the ceiling as what you're looking for. And everyone's like, oh, that's his ceiling. I don't want anything to do with them. I mean, Lamar Miller's had a pretty damn good fantasy career, even just a regular career, considering, you know, being a fourth round pick and kind of being cast aside every place he's been. Uh, or, you know, at least by the, the community, like, oh, he's done. He doesn't have anything left in the tank, blah, blah, blah. So I feel like Pollard could have that type of, of ascension. Obviously, it would take Zeke having to move on to do that. But kind of the same thing happened when Lamar Miller came into the league. The Dolphins had Reggie Bush. He absolutely dominated Lamar's rookie year. And then once he left, Lamar started to take over. Uh, and then they decided to do silly things like bringing in Jay Ajayi and Kenyon Drake. And then that pushed Lamar to Houston. So I don't know. I I feel like Pollard could be a fantasy producer. I don't see a big time back, even if he is the starter for Dallas. I don't feel that he's a a bell cow talent or even a high volume talent. I think he's definitely suitable for that Gio Bernard, Duke Johnson, Naheem Hines type role. But I also think he's pretty underrated as, as a, um, an actual running back rather than a receiver. Do you think Pollard is a threat at all to the Zeke workhorse 25 carries a game role, or do you think he is simply an RB2? No, you know, I don't think he eats into the carries as much as the receiving role. As much as they like to get the ball into Zeke's hands, assuming he's back, I think it's smart of them, especially for a team that's going to be definitely contending for a playoff spot on potentially an NFC contender in it, you know, in a, in whole, I think, I think they'd be wise to allow Pollard to take some of that pass catching work since I think that's where he's more well-versed. You know, Zeke's a very good pass catcher too, but the more you can take Zeke out of harm's way during the regular season, I think that that's more beneficial for them as a team. Because I think with as good as their defense has gotten, and obviously as, as good as their offense can be, uh, it'd be a little more wise for them to to spread the ball around much. So I think I think if anything, maybe we lose a little bit of the PPR upside from Zeke, but I, I really don't see him losing much volume in total. All right, and then the, the last question on the Cowboys' backfield and then the situation in general. Do you think the Cowboys drafting two running backs on day three in Weber and Pollard do you think that was more them preparing for a possible holdout? Do you think it's them preparing for a possible letting him walk? Or is it just like we, we, we need running backs on the roster? I think it was, I mean, it's probably a little bit of everything. I think they saw this coming, whether it was the agent speaking on it or Zeke speaking on it. I, I feel like they kind of had an idea it was coming, but they weren't going to sink big time capital in another running back again in what three four years so adding adding guys like pollard and and weber two guys that that can do different things and and kind of fill out a backfield if need be i think it was more of an insurance policy i feel like they're going to get something done with zeke because if he doesn't play he's still got to get his time in in order to become a free agent at some point i mean if he wants to sit out and never play football again that's that's certainly a route but i don't see that happening uh, I feel like we see him back, whether they get a deal done or not. All right, let's move on to our weekly segment, 
that we've had pretty much the last month. It's called <laughs> the Antonio Brown update. His latest update is that he is suing the NFL because the NFL told him, you can have your helmet if you find one that's that was made less than 10 years ago. And he, he presented multiple helmets of the, of the same design that were less than 10 years old. And then the NFL was like, you know what? You, we, you can't have your helmet. So basically he's like, you're screwing me over. So I'm suing you. What do you think about this uh, lawsuit? Uh, my, my lawyer, Dan. Well, um, last year I had the parents turn their, their radios down. Um, so I could make a swear last year, last week, last, sorry, last week, <laughs> last week, I, I, I had them, I had them do that for me. I'm not going to get back on that train, but I, I think everyone knows that I believe he's an actual crazy person. I'm starting to think all of this is a little bit for show. You know, they do have the hard knocks thing, and and obviously Oakland's kind of been the laughing stock for a while, and they I think they want different attention than them just being bad at football, and then the season comes along, and maybe all of a sudden they surprise us a little bit. I, it's hard to believe someone's that dense, <laughs> you know. I mean, I, I guess because we've had some some drama queen, you know, prima donna wide receivers in the past, but man, this is a whole different I mean, level of crazy. I mean, but this is the first move that makes sense. The NFL told him go do this, and then he did it, and they're like, yeah, no, forget about that. Right. It's like I mean, this one does like this one has a little bit of merit, but. Still, just the the whole thing in general, it it seems so absurd that anyone could legitimately, you know, do any of this. Obviously, with the frostbitten feet, you know, and, and the helmet and the air balloon, it's just like this. This all is, it's it's got to be it's got to be a show. It, it's I, I don't know what else it could be because this doesn't seem like real life. Yeah, I mean, I. I... I don't know. Do you think that the majority of people are more or less towards he's going to retire than they were like two weeks ago? I'm not sure if people believe he's going to retire. I mean, there's or, that I mean, camp. Well, do, do you think that the threat of him not playing this year, him missing time this year was was larger like two weeks ago or now? I think it's cooled a little bit. I think people are more now going towards this will all find its way to work out. Yeah, I think him being back at camp kind of mellowed all that out, but there was definitely that probably two week period where there was a legitimate concern. He wasn't going to play and people were kind of freaking out, but his, his value has gone so absurdly down for someone that's, I mean, almost guaranteed to be in the wide receiver one conversation at the end of the year for, as far as point or production goes this year, that, if you're getting him third, fourth round, that's just absurd. And as nuts as it is, and as you know, there there's potential for time missed. But in the fourth round, you're already kind of throwing a dart anyways, because there's so many of those guys in that spot that you're just kind of hoping for them to take a big step forward. That's that gap in dynasty drafts. So, you know, before you get to that swing, if you can land a guy like Antonio, or if you can trade for a guy like Antonio for that fourth round, you know, startup value. I feel like it's it's worth the risk for him to not play, honestly. Now, one thing I do feel like is starting to jump the ship a little bit right now is now everyone is going on to the Tyrell Williams bandwagon to where they're starting to act like Tyrell Williams was a top 24 wide receiver 
at any point. You know, he's a decent deep threat, a guy who you can, you know, throw the occasional deep ball to. He's not a guy that's going to lead a team in targets. He's not going to be a guy who is a consistent wide receiver two or three in fantasy. I, I think that the, oh, we've been missing out on Tyrell Williams this whole offseason take is a bit overdone at this point. That I think we were correctly valuing Tyrell Williams in that he's an okay football player. I do think Hunter Renfro is a bit intriguing at this point, you know, kind of fits into the Adam Humphreys type mold. And I think that, you know, he could be, if, if there's going to be a high target guy in Antonio Brown's absence, if it happens, I think it could be Hunter Renfro, even though he's a rookie. Yeah. I mean, I, I can believe it. Obviously they brought him in for a reason. They liked him, but it's just, yeah, the, the Tyrell Williams being propped up thing is, it feels like Mike Williams ish <laughs> to me. I don't think either one of those guys is a top 24 wide receiver, but they're being talked about like that, like you said. And I just, if it's not Antonio, I feel like they're just going to have to spread the ball around or Derek Carr is going to get killed. You know, they, they'll probably run Josh Jacobs into the earth if Antonio doesn't play. And they'll probably overuse tight end. You know, Darren Waller's probably in for. Well, he hasn't even played yet. This, this right. Season. I mean, if he's healthy, if he's healthy, that's I would feel like he's probably in for one of the bigger value increases if Antonio doesn't go. But I mean, Tyrell's going to be fine. I, I don't think he's going to be super sustainable. And Renfro's intriguing, especially considering his price tag. So I don't know that the, which, which is free, by the way. <laughs> right, right. That's what that's what I mean. Yeah. Um, you know, outside of Antonio and and Josh Jacobs, that offense is just kind of gross to me. I, I think with those two, you're getting pure volume. And if Antonio's out, I think it's just a real struggle bus. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. All right. Let's go from our weekly segment to our yearly segment. Or at least maybe even uh, semi-yearly. <laughs> I always forget whether semi or whatever means twice a year versus every two years. But we got Josh Gordon. He has been reinstated for the 14th time in his career, uh, this time as a New England Patriot. Some people said there might still be a risk of him being suspended. I don't. I haven't seen anything since then. But uh, from, from what I know, he's good to go and play week one. The Patriots all of a sudden have a ton of wide receivers from Julian Edelman to Nikhil Harry, Jacoby Myers, and obviously Josh Gordon. And I'm sure I'm missing Demarius Thomas. If he ever plays again, he probably won't. But anyways, the – Lots of wide receivers, but with Josh Gordon, for me, I am com- incomplete. I'll believe it when I see it mode. Yes, we've seen some flashes in the last couple of years in his limited playing time, but we haven't seen any sort of consistent play no matter where he's been, whether it's been Cleveland or, or New England. So I'm incomplete. Believe it when I see it mode. How about you? I mean, it's been six years since – we saw breakout Josh Gordon, saw wide receiver one Josh Gordon. And yeah, these are probably his prime years, that 27, 28, 29. You know, you you, you do see the flashes of him when he's going, especially with New England. 
So he had a couple of games last year where just watching him, he looked like the polished version of the 2013 Josh Gordon. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting, obviously, if he's in football shape, if he's up to speed in the offense. I mean, he's got legitimate wide receiver two upside. I feel like he and Edelman could do very, very well this year, which allows Nikhil Harry a year to kind of not have to have the big role forced upon him. You know, you get Gordon and, and Harry outside and you put Edelman inside. That's that's a big time offense, honestly. And having Brady at the helm with Belichick. And, and the, I mean, you couldn't ask for a better situation. We just need him to stay on the field. And it sounds like Goodell's transitioning his feelings on the whole thing where we're all of a sudden now, instead of banishing folks, we're going to try to help them. It only took ruining uh, Justin Blackman's career to figure it out. So I think, more, I think, I think more than just weed ruined Justin Blackman's <laughs> career, but okay. No, I know. Uh, I, I don't know the, the Gordon thing. I, I think, I think this is it. I think this is the last try at it. So if it sticks, it sticks. And, and you've got, you know, three, three to four years of, a big time wide receiver that doesn't have a ton of wear and tear on his body. So maybe he can go longer. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll, like I said, complete believe when I see him out. If I, I saw him go for, I guess I'll take your say on this and you sound like a, somewhat of a believer right now. Uh, he got traded for, it was Josh Gordon and John Brown for a 2021st, which one, where do you take there? I'm taking the wide receivers. I mean, I, I like Smokey though. And I think Smokey's yeah. in a good spot. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, I think that's pretty much the line of, like, if you added any sort of, like, if you added a third-round pick onto the first, I would easily take the, the first. If you had a third-round pick on the other side, it would easily take the players. Um, but, you know, it's very even for me. For sure. All right, let's go down to our next one, and it's one that you weren't really aware of until I brought it up. So, you know, you can give your, your thoughts blindly. Jimmy Garoppolo has not been having a good offseason, not been having a good training camp or preseason. And as we're recording this on Monday night, he went one for six on preseason Monday night football. And he's been reportedly been getting outplayed by Nick Mullins. And uh, people have been, you know, pining for Nick Mullins because he had like two good volume games last year. So if you have Jimmy Garoppolo's Superflex shares, are you panicking yet? No, because A you still have the Kyle Shanahan offense that can make any turd, you know, look decent. We're, we're going to work, be working with decent volume. And like I said, it's, it's a Kyle Shanahan offense. He made Nick Mullins into a fantasy producer. <laughs> uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is, is, you know, a, a full tier ahead of where Nick Mullins is. And we've, we've talked about it a bajillion times. You don't have to be a good, a good actual football player to be a good fantasy producer look at what Blake Bortles did for four years or whatever the hell it was whatever waste of period of time that was obviously I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is is quite that bad and people saying you know put in Nick Mullins put in Nick Mullins like well yeah anyone again running a Shanahan offense with a lot of the rookies and the players that everyone's hyping up versus second and third stringers it's probably going to look pretty decent so I'm not panicking about Jimmy Garoppolo he missed a full year basically didn't look super super great last year, but again, it's it's a guy in a new in a new offense, you know, a whole nine. So I feel like this year is 
he's going to be fine. He's he's still getting it to game speed and everything, and and we got to give him time. Honestly, it'll probably take a couple of weeks in the regular NFL season for him to be kind of the. I don't think he's ever going to hit the expectation that people had when he was you know playing for the Patriots and. We saw him come in and do a couple things, and all of a sudden everything exploded. And then he got traded to the 49ers, and now his volume or his price is insane. I don't think we're seeing that guy ever, but I think we're seeing a perfectly fine quarterback too, especially considering the offense. Yeah, I think it might be time to test the waters a little bit, and it may even take like a bad regular season game or two for the price really to bottom out. But for now, I mean, I think that you could probably get him for. A 107 to 109-ish, you know, mid to late first, uh, especially for those that are looking at, you know, training camp preseason, be like, ugh, like this guy might, you know, not, you know, this guy might lose to his, his job to a 2020 rookie or something like that. I do think it's a buying opportunity. They, they still, they don't, they have some young weapons, but they have some promising young weapons with Dante Pettis, Jalen Hurd, and Debo Samuel. That's a nice group of wide receivers to grow with a young quarterback to where if it hits, it's going to be a nice hit with that San Francisco offense in of course the Kyle Shanahan mold, which makes it more likely to hit than if it was in the Mike Martz offense. Yeah. And, and like, and like I said before, they don't necessarily have to be good in order for the production to be there. There's going to be enough volume and enough production just because of where and who they're playing with that people are going to be relevant. You know, I think Tevin Coleman at this point is probably the best fantasy asset there. I, I feel like he's he's going to do a lot more than what people believe. And Jarek McKinnon's going to be a nice, you know, number two or wide receiver. You know, whatever he's going to play, I think he's going to do well if he stays healthy and they use him correctly. And I know Shanahan knows how to do that because he fits the Shanahan RB mold very well. I don't know. It, it's, it's kind of a weird one because Garoppolo hasn't really performed. But there's a lot of promise in who's coaching him. You know what I mean? And, you know, the the kind of young up-and-coming team that the 49ers are. All right, let's wrap up the news and notes with something that's been kind of quiet. I haven't seen it much on the, on Twitter, but I, I did see it on the Roto World, of course. DK Metcalf uh, had surgery either Monday or Sunday, and it's kind of unsure whether he'll be there for week one. My, my main takeaway here is that if this is any sort of buy-low scenario for – People who drafted him might be like, oh, no, like I, I was afraid of the injuries and now he's already injured. Well, it's a lower body body injury. It's not a neck injury. That would be the main concern if you have any injury concerns with DK Metcalf. And so, you know, just use this as a very small buy window. I don't think anyone was saying, oh, I'm counting on week one DK Metcalf points. And so if people are panicking like they were counting on those points, then now is the time to buy, throw out an offer of like a late first and a, a late second or something like that in 2020 and see what, or, you know, or even maybe like a Dante Pettis and a, and a small piece, something like that to where it's something that the guy might want for points this year. Sure. And, and, and this was the concern with DK Metcalf. If, if people were poo-pooing his ability, I, I feel like those are the folks that are way off base. This was the concern. This was the issue is whether or not he could stay healthy I'm not too worried about it yet because this one's not a big deal. You know, the, the Seahawks don't seem overly concerned about it. And obviously the last time someone didn't seem overly concerned about an, uh, an injury in the NFL, it was uh, the Indianapolis Colts and Andrew Luck. So obviously you have to take everything with a little bit of grain of salt, but I feel like uh, the Seahawks have done okay with this type of stuff. 
So I, I don't know. I, I'm if if anyone's selling Metcalf right now, which would be kind of idiotic, I'd be buying for sure. Happily give the late first, late second that you mentioned. Uh, might even reach a little higher than that. Yep. All right. Uh, now we're gonna reach on to our next segment, and before we do that. It's a new season, folks, 2019. Antonio Brown is with the Raiders, we think. Le'Veon Bell is with the Jets. Odell Beckham Jr. is with the Cleveland Browns. The one thing that hasn't changed is I'm putting my money down on all the games. My bookie is the place to bet on every football game every weekend of the football season. My bookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period, point blank, and a story. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000 and only costs $100 to enter. All you got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week uh, to climb the lever- leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool. Promo code ROTOVIZ doubles your first deposit up to $100 or up to $1,000, I believe. Let me double check that before I. <laughs> yeah, it's thousand. up to 1000 it is up to a thousand dollars. For some reason, I only wrote a hundred. It's nine hundred more than a hundred. It's a thousand. It's as good as you can get, folks. If you're doing uh, some sports gambling, my bookie promo code Rotovis. Yeah, the the hundred thousand for first is pretty freaking awesome. What else is pretty freaking awesome is my FFPC. They are the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football, and it's been 10 years since the FFPC filled their very first Dynasty League, and they've now grown to the world's largest Dynasty League commissioner with leagues as high as $5,000 to enter. So for you high-stakes folks, there's only one place to play. That's FFPC. Leagues are active, competitive, and not a single league has ever folded, which is still, every time we go through this, is absolutely absurd to me because we watch leagues fold over and over and over again. None of them ever folding is unbelievable. Plus, they have new startup leagues forming every day. Uh, they start at $77 and up, standard, super flex, best ball, everything you could want for your dynasty league. And for those ready for your greatest challenge, make sure you take a look at this year's FFPC main event. What is the main uh, main event, you ask? Well, it's the world's biggest event in season-long fantasy football, and this year it's coming at you with a half-a-million-dollar grand prize. That's nuts. And over $3.1 million in total prizes. It's, you really can't beat that. So you got the opportunity to go to Las Vegas for a three-day weekend of live drafts and festivities at the Planet Hollywood Resort and Casino or draft online from the comfort of your own home. The main event drafts will begin August 23rd and run through the start of the season. So make sure you hop on over to FFPC, get in for your season-long stuff, get in for your dynasty stuff, or go check out the main event. Do it at home. Go to Vegas. Just make sure you're having fun. All righty. What else is fun is evaluating some dynasty teams. So uh, let's start us off by, by talking about what are the main things we look at when we're looking at our dynasty rosters. Obviously, when it comes to a normal one quarterback league, the, no, the number one thing would be running backs, the number of RB1s, uh, and team RB1s, not necessarily obviously top 12 running backs. Got to have a few of those at this point. You know, back in the day when you could, you know, do a start one RB, I feel like those days are past us at least for a little while. And but the the other one, the, the more obvious one, of course, is in Superflex. You pretty much have to have three NFL starting quarterbacks. One one example of that is in the Rotoviz trade cast league we just did. Justin Peak, our editor, and I, we have five quarterbacks. 
And in total, we have three teams quarterbacks. We have Russell Wilson, the Dolphins, and the Broncos. So we, we knew we had, had our, RB, our, our QB1 in Russell. But we knew if we wanted to compete, we had to guarantee that QB2. And we did that by getting two whole quarterback backfields. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all in, obviously all the, the quarterback in Superflex leagues is super important. But the first place you need to look is past production, because what's the uh, what's the best predictor of future production, Nathan? Um, Chinese. Perfect. It's actually past production. So <laughs> if your guy has produced before, chances are he'll produce again. Obviously, we have those lovely outliers with guys like Charles Johnson from the Minnesota Vikings a few years back. Ooh, that's a deep dive. But if your team or your players produced last year, chances are they're going to produce this year. Now, we obviously have the times when folks fall off cliffs or just go completely irrelevant, change teams, all this fun stuff. So right now is the time where you need to be super, super honest with yourself, not try to hype up your own team because it's your team, not try to overvalue your players because they're your players. Now's the time to really look at it from as an objective lens as, as possible and, and not and put all of your influence on your team. If you need to go out outside for to be like, hey, I can't get a clear view of my roster. You know, I, I feel like it could contend, but I'm not sure. Reach out to some analysts on Twitter. You know, DM some folks. I, I answer those questions all uh, all day. And anyone's gonna be just fine saying, yeah, I mean, I would do this or this. No one's gonna spend you know 10 hours having a debate with you about your team. But people will help you out. Twitter's a great uh, a great use for something like that. So I think honesty is definitely the most important part right now because right now is probably when you should start trying to figure out what exactly your team's doing. Yeah, and one kind of oversimplified way of doing this is look at last year's standings and then look at the rosters and then the players that they had in relation to, you know, points per game scored and look at okay, the the top 2 teams had how many RB1s, how many wide receiver ones, how many tight end ones. And you put that together and then you look at whatever, you know, projections you use, whether it's four for four or fantasy pros or football guys, whatever it is, kind of plug their, their those projections into your own roster. And that will give you more of an unbiased view of, you know, you might think that Dante Pettis and Cortland Sutton and DK Metcalf are all going to break out in 2019. But, you know, the unbiased thousand feet in the air projections may be a little bit different than What's your optimistic? You are the one who drafted those players, so you're more likely to think they're likely to succeed than someone who doesn't have a connection to them. Yeah, the, the biggest issue with this with this time of year, and actually any time of year, is is owners overvaluing their players because they're their players. That's that's a big issue. But right now is true. Break down your roster. Figure out what you need. Are you contending or are you selling? If you're contending and you've got some nice pieces. You don't necessarily want to go get really old really fast because obviously you like the the sustainability of competing year in and year out. You want to remain consistent. You don't want to necessarily go for broke. Now, people can do that. I mean, if you're playing high stakes, I think we see that more often than not where folks try to win win that specific year. But in most normal dynasty leagues, you you, you want to maintain that balance of of some youth, some age. And if your goal is ultimately to win this year, now is the time to start targeting those guys like Emmanuel Sanders, like Larry Fitzgerald, that you can get for cheap without having to risk the future of your team. 
And ideally, you're finding those players from teams that are looking to rebuild. But that also requires those owners and those teams to be doing kind of the same thing you're doing, is, is looking at your teams and figuring out what it is that you're trying to do and trying to make moves that are smart for your team's future. Obviously, we're if you're contending, you're more worried about right now, but you always have to have that that future lens on there too, just to be be kind of smart about not risking your entire future for for one title. And this is a, there's another example of chasing injuries that isn't as talked about as much as obviously whenever any player gets injured with a serious injury, anyone always says, oh, go buy that player because he's at a discount. Another way of injury chasing or even uh, holdout chasing or suspension chasing, like look at the team who has Melvin Gordon. And if the team that Melvin Gordon looks like it's not a playoff team without Melvin Gordon, think, oh, that guy might be trying to sell. So let's see what other assets he has that can help me win now. And that Because that guy doesn't really know if he's going to be winning this year because he's currently in limbo of, will I have Melvin Gordon? Am I a playoff team without Melvin Gordon? So if you, when you see those injuries, when you see you know major players have you know times where they're, they're going to be out, try and identify those teams to see whether they are going to end up having to change their mode from contender to more of a seller. Yeah, getting getting into you know the panicked owners that that can always be kind of a profitable a profitable move, and even if you even if you're going to target those owners and whether it's trading them other players because they're worried about the injuries or the holdouts, targeting those actual holdout players or those injury players. I know you mentioned it before you started your uh, your little spiel, but a lot of times getting getting owners to panic sell those folks, especially now as the season approaches, is more likely than you know mid off season when we've got all this time and we don't know what the player is going to where the player is going to be at, whether he's going to be healthy or not. So finding finding injured folks or holdout folks if you are not contending from a value standpoint is really smart because once those players come back from their holdout or back from their injury, they automatically get a pretty big value boost. So if you can get in at the floor price and be, be patient enough to hang on to them until health returns or they return to the field, you're due for for a nice little turnaround package. And, and a lot of times people get caught up in the winning and losing, but you really do have to look at your roster as a big stock market. Everything goes up and down in value. Some stuff remains, remains more constant. Some stuff is more volatile. You kind of have to go with the times. If a player's on a big swing in value because they produced for a couple of games, you have to think about maybe it's time to sell, you know, it, You've, you've kind of got to stay active with everything throughout your roster, whether you're contending, whether you're rebuilding, because every every week players' values change drastically, especially if, if they're out there performing on the field. And obviously if they're performing, your your goal probably isn't to, you know, just sell them because just to get the value out of it. If you want to hang on to those guys long term, that's that's your move as an owner. But if it's something that's going against the grain for what your plan for your team is, and you can, you know, max out that value. You, you almost have to, even even if you believe that maybe a player could be worth more. Hey, maybe I wait one more week. Well, maybe that player turns into crap, and now you can't sell them at all. My, you know, the the kind of the way I do it is I'm always ready to sell 
a week too early, a year too early. All of that to me makes more sense. If you feel like you can capitalize on long-term, you know, peaks in value or short-term peaks in value, I, I always think it's it's smart to to get out while the getting's good, you know. And obviously, sometimes you do that, and then that player turns into a big-time player. Uh, last year, I did it with a whole bunch with Kenny, Kenny Galladay, and got some decent prices, or two years ago, whenever it was. Um, when he started to blow up big time in value, I started to get up when he was on the rise and all of a sudden now he's a, you know, top two, three round player. And I got shortchanged a little bit, but now things are starting to come back to earth. So it's all, there's, there's a lot, a lot of give and take, especially in, you know, roster construction, roster valuation. So you just have to be as active as you possibly can. And like we've said four times, be be honest with it, be be objective, and just try to try to do what's best for your actual team rather than what you believe is going to you know do well, do poorly, all of that. Yep, for sure, agree on all of those points. Now, is there any just basic looking at your own roster that something that sticks out as far as knowing whether you're a contender or pretender if i mean obviously everyone knows if they're you know going to be projected to go for a buy or if they're you know tanking or projector struggling to to the 101 but the teams that are in the middle uh what's the biggest differentiator for you this time of year when you're trying to figure out uh whether you're, whether you should go for it, whether you should wait it out a few weeks to see what what, what you should do either way so i guess the, the three three decisions you make at this point of the year what is go for it wait a few weeks to see what happens and then, you know, sell all your pieces. What's the biggest thing that makes you make that decision? I think if, if my roster is mediocre, but I'm set at running back, I feel like if I'm set at running back, I'm more apt to go for it than go and try to chase big running back points from another team and overpay for a position that has kind of a shorter life expectancy because I feel like I can get wide receiver producers for much cheaper than I can get running back producers. So I feel like if my team is okay at quarterback, okay at tight end and really good at running back, no matter my wide receiver status, I'm going to try to make a play to do it, whether it's trading some, some rookie picks, trading some youth to try to find myself a wide receiver or two. That's usually what I'm thinking about right now. Uh, if my team's wide receiver heavy and I'm not super solid at running back, but I'm young. I think I'm I'm taking another year and planning on rebuilding, but I'll give it maybe four weeks to see if any of my young wide receivers really hit it. And then, you know, if there's a guy that I wasn't expecting to take a big leap and all of a sudden he's got all sorts of value, I might try to flip him for some running back points and, and level my team out. So I think I think you have to be a little bit patient, but you can't wait too long. If you're waiting until midseason and, you know, oh, I'm going to hang in there. I'm going to hang in there. Now your team's four and four. You know, that that's not going to do a whole lot for you. you. You need to be a little more aggressive than that rather than just kind of playing the wait and see game. I, I think you have to I think you have to decide what your team is going to do probably around the time by week start, which, you know, week four, week five and kind of kind of play into that a little bit, too. Yeah, it seems a bit counterintuitive because more running backs get hurt than wide receivers. But I do feel like when you're building your team through young wide receivers, it does take you know a month, month and a half into the season to, to, for you to know, okay, 
Cortland Sutton is going to be a weekly starter or Nikhil Harry is going to be a weekly starter. Like, you don't know that sort of thing in week one. You know that thing, sort of thing after you've seen how the quarterback is targeting his wide receivers. And with running backs, you pretty much know from the get-go, assuming health, this is who's going to be getting the touches in, in each backfield. Now, injuries do impact those things slightly or even you know majorly. But in terms of non, non-health-related issues – Wide receiver is much more you'll learn based on the early season production more so than with running back. Right, which is exactly why if I'm set at running back, I'm I'm making my push now. If I'm not set there, I'm I'm giving it the little bit of extra time, but not being overly patient. Um, I, I like to get things going sooner rather than later. So if I can force my rebuild, you know, a week too early, it's a week too early. But at least I know my my roster value is gaining, and I'm not burning. Uh, a year of of running back production because running backs are, are you know especially the high end ones are relatively scarce and if you don't have one chances are you're not gonna do it with just wide receivers unless you're in a start one running back league which then it's possible then you can get by with patchwork and start four five six wide receivers depending on your league but th- that running back production in order to contend is, in my opinion, super, super important unless you're rolling out, you know, four wide receiver ones or so because you're just not getting you're not getting the the big points. You know, if it's a best ball league, it's probably a little bit different because you can get those splashy wide receivers that have the 40 point weeks and and you can kind of, you know, build your profile that way because that's all points based. Anything that's that's win loss record based. Obviously, we like to see more of a, a push towards, you know, points scored being the the baseline for how playoffs are seeded and whatnot. But obviously, win loss for the majority of folks is is the name of the game. So you, you, you kind of win and you, you live and die by the running back, and you can kind of do what you need to at wide receiver. Obviously, for those sexy rosters we like to build, it's usually the young wide receivers, and you know that's that's a lot of times where your roster value is coming from, and unless you have an elite bell cow running back, you're not going to have a ton of value at the running back position, but that's where your points are going to be, which doesn't make sense. But because of the the life expectancy of these different positions, it's that's it's kind of forced upon us. Alrighty, that'll wrap up this edition of the Nicey Tradecast. Uh, thanks again for hopping on the Tradecast with us, uh, Dan. By us, I mean me. Uh, and um, a little horrible and, outro. Yeah, you know, and um, we've got we've got a couple weeks till our uh, infamous or famous uh, bold predictions episode. We are almost there, and we've actually done a couple of we had a couple of decent years with bold prediction stuff. You yeah, know, usually I, I, it's I, like I had the Cardinals 101, <laughs> which I, I I was a Josh Rhodes believer and still thought it was the the Cardinals 101. I didn't see it happening like that, though. Yeah, that was that was definitely the interesting way. Which but we usually get like enough, one like, out of five. That is funny, though. That was kind of like a bold prediction, bold-ish prediction like this time last year. Yeah, I definitely thought it was going to be the Raiders, and they were close. Um, <laughs> but yeah, little personal news. We are in the process of moving, so... I may be doing some McDonald's episodes coming up, like oh, we had Nathan, Nathan do. <laughs> um, <laughs> just because the interim is going to be not our final destination for where we are living. So bear with me. I may have some some audio 
technical difficulties. So I might be on the Nathan train here for, you know, maybe the next few. I think next week will be my last show in this particular place. So yeah, that's a little, a little fun stuff for me. So I appreciate your patience and understanding. And hopefully we won't have many, if any, technical issues. But, um, you know, I'm just throwing it out there. I love how you're preparing the world for our technical I, You know, I just we, we had that rough patch and the folks were hashtag mad online at us for a little bit. So Honestly, I, just, I, I feel like there's been less of that lately. Like they've just like resigned themselves to, <laughs> all right. The tradecast going to have technical difficulties occasionally. It's it's going to sound horrible. So just get on there, laugh at Dan and Nathan, and then we'll leave. Alrighty, that'll wrap us up. Kadoosh! Love you, Justin. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.